The accounts shared on this podcast, including this episode, reflect the guest's thoughtful recollections and opinions of experiences perceived and occurring over many years, including childhood memories, which may be fallible and limited by perspective and trauma. Persons may have different memories regarding certain events. Welcome back to Kavada Podcast. I'm Kelly Archibald, and I want to thank you for tuning in. We live in a crazy world, so we made this podcast to shine some hope into your life. Our guests have lived through some incredible things, both good and bad, and they want to share their stories with you. Listeners like you make this podcast possible. If you've been inspired or encouraged by these stories, please consider supporting us on Patreon or contacting us about sponsorship opportunities. You can find more information about us at kavahpodcast.com. That's Q-A-V-A-H podcast.com. Our younger son in my sorrow has said, Mom, the Lord is your shepherd. You have all that you Mm -hmm. need. The 23rd Psalm says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There was a woman who moved to my town some years ago. She brought the ocean with her in her eyes. She had golden hair, and when she smiled at you, You felt like the most important person in the world. Fourteen years later, she was crying in my living room, and I took her into my home while she experienced the unimaginable. Her name was Franny with an I, and her story reminds me that this podcast is a paradox. We try to tell people stories, but so often their stories escape words. Franny is a simple woman. She believes in love, not words. But her story is simply one of those that must be told. Or at least we must try. The Lord is my shepherd has been the overarching theme of Franny Fox's life. But her story starts before she was born, with a mother whose life would be a foreshadowing of her daughter's. Catherine, Franny's mother, told me what it was like to be a Christian in a home where that was thought to be archaic. Brandy Patterson with B. Patterson, Inc., SunTech TTS, sponsored this episode of Kavah the Podcast. Brandy believes that it is more important than ever to inspire people to take action and give those with a voice the right platform to be heard. We need more sponsors like Brandy. So if you're interested in a sponsorship, please contact us through our website, kavahpodcast.com. That's Q-A-V-A-H podcast.com. Where were you born? Where was I born? Yes. Uh, in Maryland. Oh, Frederick, Maryland. Yeah. What part of Maryland? Frederick. And where's that? In Baltimore. <laughs> Do you know, 
They've, I left Maryland when I was three years old, and okay. I wouldn't know. So you had a mom and a dad. And three brothers and a half-sister. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what, where are you in birth order? I am, um, well, it's my half-sister, and then my brother and myself, and then I have two little brothers. Okay. Yeah. You're kind of middle. Kind of middle. Yeah, yeah, middle child. Okay. And then where did you go from Maryland? We lived, I was raised in Southern California. Okay. And uh, really spent my whole life in Southern California, other than uh, some time in Colorado. And yeah. And so did you go to high school in California? Mm -hmm. And what did you like to do? Did you have any hobbies or? Yeah, I'm kind of a little bit on the artistic side. I like to, I like to draw and paint and uh -huh. that sort of thing. But that's been a while. Yeah. Been a while. So what was your favorite subject in school? Was it art? Art. Okay. And then you graduated from high school. Mm -hmm. And what happened next? I was married very young. In fact, I was married uh, senior year in high school. Oh, wow. Where did you meet your yeah. husband? In school. In oh. school. What class were you in together? We weren't. Oh. We weren't. But uh, we met going to a uh, football game. And was he a senior? No, we were both in the same grade. Okay. We were very, very young. Um, so you're like 16, 17. Yeah, 16. I was married at 17. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. yeah. Did your parents, were they okay with that? No. No, my parents weren't okay with me. I became a Christian at 16. Oh, was okay. not, that wasn't acceptable in my family. And mm -hmm. so... I, you know, my life was pretty, um, I had a typical childhood up until I became a Christian, and then it got hard. Wow, so how, you became a Christian, and how did that come about? There was a young couple that lived down the street that were involved in um, student ministries, mm -hmm. wonderful couple, and they introduced me to the Lord. Wow, mm -hmm. that's sweet. And what about your husband? And he was also introduced to the Lord at the same time. Wow. Yeah. So we were serious about that, very serious. Um, for being as young as we were, we were hardworking, ambitious kids. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we took life very seriously. So what kind of wedding did you have? I ran away and got married. You did? Okay. Yeah. Well, I didn't run away and got married. I had moved out of the house mm -hmm. and decided to get married. And uh, my mother signed for me, but my father did not, would not. Wow. And so, and of course I understand that now as an adult. You right. Know, that was, yeah. Yeah. That's hard. But that was a turbulent time in my life. And uh, was it turbulent because of the conflict with your parents? Because of your belief system? That was a lot of it. Okay. Uh, my father, my grandfather was actually a pastor. Okay. And my father turned away from the faith completely. Okay. So for me to accept the faith um, just was unacceptable to him. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And so... Um, so what drew you to the faith, that couple? The couple introduced me to the Lord. 
No, that's not right. They gave me the opportunity to meet mm. the Lord. They take, took me to church with them yeah. and that sort of thing. So I went, <laughs> um, they took me to this little Baptist church. Mm-hmm. And the pastor there was a hellfire and brimstone type. Mm-hmm. He was pounding on the pulpit. Yes. Talking about, you know, how you're going to go to hell if you don't know, yes. Didn't hear any of it. Mm-hmm. What I heard was, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus loves you profoundly. Wow. And I believed it. Yeah. And I felt it. Yeah. And I actually felt a, um, almost like, uh, I don't tell this to very many people, um, almost like a honey or like a mm, thick yes. something coming yeah. down. Physically, I felt that. And I have believed it ever since. Yeah. So, so the arguments, my father was a, a very intelligent man, very... Um, very progressive in his thinking mm-hmm. and um, gave me every argument against it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he couldn't persuade me, and that was difficult for him. Mm. Yeah. And I remember a time when he said to me, um, How can you believe? How can you? Believe that um, archaic uh, nonsense, mm-hmm. and I said, "I don't." I'm a 16 year old girl. Right. I don't know. I don't know, but I do know that it's true. Mm-hmm. And I saw fear in his eyes mm-hmm. because he was raised with this right. and rejected it. Wow. And he was, uh, in my eyes, a very powerful man, right? Self-made man, and. To see fear in my father's eyes was something I'll never forget. Wow. Yeah. But that stuck with you, that conviction of this is this is how Absolutely. I will live my life. Well, yeah. no, I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking about how I was living my life. I just knew that Jesus was real. Wow. And had a real desire to mm-hmm. love me. Catherine had encountered something so real she could hardly describe it. She had encountered truth. Her life would never be the same. The generations after her would be marked by that truth, but it wouldn't be easy to hold on to. That's so beautiful. And I loved him back. Wow. So you ran off and got married. Yeah, well, I probably shouldn't have done that. But um, I did. Uh, And and, and so you were 17? Yeah, I was 17. Okay. And then what did y'all do? Did you have jobs? Oh, gosh, yeah. We were very ambitious. I mean, um, we bought a business at 19. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. And my husband worked as, as a retail clerk. And uh, I worked in this little pizza joint. Yes. And had babies. Okay. And my babies. And, and how old were you when you had babies? Well, I was 18 when my son was born. Okay. 19 when my daughter was born, and then had another one at 22. Oh, yeah, I You're know. just a we baby. Were, we were ridiculous yes. for, um, we just, I don't know, we wanted life. Mm-hmm. You know? So what was he like? He was very, he was good looking. He I was, he, yeah, he was good looking. He was, um, we could laugh and laugh and laugh. He was funny. 
um, very ambitious, very hardworking, um, a lot of wonderful things about him. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, at some point, uh -huh. at some point, we lost him. Well, I neglected to say, Kelly, that it was self-inflicted. There is a unique kind of grief, I think, associated with that, in that you feel, um, and I, I, I'm speaking for myself, but I think, I think this would apply to other people who have gone through it, my understanding anyway. Um, but it, as far as I'm concerned, um, I'm sorry. Um, there's there's a feeling of responsibility. There's a f feeling of survivor's guilt. Yes. But uh, I have to say, it took me decades to learn that um, the responsibility that someone feels at that time is so inappropriate mm. inappropriate and even at the time that it happened I told myself it's not your fault it's not your fault but in my heart I felt that I could have done something could have stopped it could have done anything but that's God's place and it, you know uh, I realized and I, as I said decades later I was playing God by accepting that responsibility mm -hmm. so if there's anyone else out there listening um, God is the answer mm -hmm. he is the answer and I will say at the time this happened um, I had one of the most beautiful experiences with the Lord that I've ever had in my entire life Franny's mother saw that the Lord really was her shepherd after her husband took his life she felt God's nearness she felt him healing her heart and soul through that relationship. And as her daughter grew older, she handed that faith down to her. When I was 15, I met this young guy who was as troubled as I was. Mm -hmm. And he gave me a note and he said, my mom's in a mental hospital. I'm so embarrassed. She's tried to kill herself. And I thought, oh, what's the big deal? My dad killed himself. Mm -hmm. I didn't even understand the weight of that mm -hmm. it just was a part of my life mm -hmm. and um so we became real close friends very deep friends as franny became a young woman she was faced with a lot of the same choices as her mother her path would be different but in ways it would be the same i have quite an interesting childhood and um it's different than a lot of people's childhood my my parents got married very young at 18 and or so and had three children by the time they were 21. My dad um, committed suicide when he was 24, leaving my mom with a five-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. And which one are you in that? I'm the four-year-old. I'm the middle child. And I do have significant memory of the funeral and the flowers and of my mom telling me of his death. So that's a significant piece of my early childhood. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. So then after 
that happened, did you move or did something happen in your family? My mom remarried. She married another man um, right away, and he adopted all three of us children. They were married a few years, I don't know, two or three, and then he had an affair and left. And we kept his name, but I had I have not seen him since I was probably eight years old. Okay. So another significant loss. Yes. But I did enjoy that part of life, that two years or so that they were married. It was a happy time for us or for me. Okay. And you were in school then? I was in second grade. Okay. Franny grew up in beautiful Riverside County, California, just over an hour from the Pacific Ocean. But despite growing up in such a romantic place, her friends didn't come play at her house. And at the time that he left, my mom moved to a, a small town nearby, and we started new schools. And that was very, mm-hmm. that was a very difficult period of time because I didn't fit in in the new school. Oh. So there was a lot of insecurity and um, conflict for me on the inside. I didn't feel smart or accepted in the new school. Um, my mom ended up meeting another man who she married when I was nine mm-hmm. and they were married 22 years and then he had an affair and left. So that's the significant men that I experienced in my life as a, mm-hmm. as a child and a teenager growing up. That's a lot. A lot of loss. Yeah. That's a lot of loss. Mm-hmm. So how do you think that you have, like in your childhood, how did you deal with that? I think the year that we moved to the new town, I was in third grade. Mm -hmm. And by fourth grade, I was already getting in trouble doing Mm -hmm. things that I don't think most fourth grade girls do, saying the F word and doing things, you know, that weren't really right at school. And my mom, who is a wonderful woman and a fighter, put me in a Christian school. And Mm -hmm. I was able to start hearing good things Mm -hmm. about God and... um, there was a little bit more boundaries to my life. I started to feel more the like a young child, not just somebody who was getting in trouble. Um, and there was a stable period of, in that time where we were in private Christian school, and my third stepdad was a good provider. So we had a okay. nice childhood at that time. Okay. While he was not the nicest person, mm-hmm. verbally abusive, and threatening, but it was still a nice time in the house, if that makes mm, any sense. Okay. But that the nice time was more like what you were provided with? What we were provided with and the okay. stability of okay. and the regularity okay. of the the same school, okay. you know, all three of us children living together. Because for a time when between the second and the third dad, my brother went to live with my grandparents, oh. my mom was single. And it felt scary. There were there were just things about the home at that time that didn't feel secure like a family. Okay. While my third stepdad was significantly mean. He scared my friends, but I had become accustomed to him and I could handle that. Wow. That's so your friends didn't like to be around. No, him. my friends were very scared of him. He wow. was very threatening. Even to your friends? Mm-hmm. He had a way in the home that was dominant and aggressive, 
he had a chair that we weren't allowed to sit in. We weren't allowed to watch TV. We weren't allowed to eat food unless um, we asked him. We had to ask for everything. We had to wear two pairs of socks at night. Otherwise, he charged us money because he didn't want to pay doctor bills. So there were a lot of rules that I didn't even know were unusual at the time. But I did know that he wasn't nice, right. although I did grow to love him after all the years. And I saw his own insecurities mm. and I could just see through that brash exterior mm. and see that he was a troubled person as I got older. So when he did end up leaving, I was probably in my early thirties and I, I did miss him. Wow. So have you had any contact with him? None of, no, wow. nothing. Franny's life became a battle between truth and lies her three dads each spoke a message into her life before they left. She learned from them that she was unworthy of attention, commitment, or love. And she spent the next decades of her life trying to figure out whether those messages were truth or lies. I also looked at my dad's death certificate oh, and yeah. everything because I was unaware of anything. Everything was, nothing was very clear. Mm -hmm. And, and in fact, I wasn't even aware that he'd committed suicide until I was 15. I thought it was a hunting accident. And one of my friend's mothers told me, I have no idea why, she felt wow. that it was in her power or responsibility to tell me that, but she did. And so wow. that was how I discovered that. That's a lot of information for a 15-year-old. It would have been for a four-year-old, too. So, Which it, my poor mom, who said, how do you tell a little child that? Right. And I'm not sure that she did the wrong thing. Right. So, you know, God is so good that he protects us and gives us the information we can handle at the time. Yeah. Which I've experienced recently also. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, so you're... Okay, you're eight years old, you're in the third grade, you go to a new school, and, but it's a Christian school. So what is important, what are the important things that you learned there? Well, actually, third grade, I was in the public school. Oh, okay. That was where I struggled. Okay. Fourth grade, I really started to show signs of struggling. Fifth grade, I was put in the Christian okay. school. Um, I learned that there were godly people, God's mm -hmm. word. I ended up accepting Christ there in mm -hmm. the eighth grade. Uh, I had a Bible teacher who was pretty dynamic, mm -hmm. and I really understood that Christ died specifically for my sin in the eighth grade, and I accepted Christ. And mm -hmm. that was worth going there, mm. you know. And then in ninth grade, I went to back to public school and lost my way again, but I, I still had that foundation mm. and that understanding from that really good Bible teaching. Mm. So what kind of, okay, you said foundation. So what does that look like for, for you as an eighth grade student? How did that impact you? It gave me a grid, a grounding okay. to attach truth to. Mm. Bigger than all the dysfunction that I had been experiencing and all that was going on in the world, I still had that, that understanding. Mm -hmm. I really, really based my life off of that. Mm. Even though as a young teenager, I got into drugs and mm -hmm. alcohol and all the things that young teens do, mm -hmm. I still knew that I was saved by mm. Christ. Wow. That's huge. It really was huge. I, it's a huge gift. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it changed your... It changed the trajectory of my life. Right. It really did. I, I don't think if that had not happened in my early years, I'm not sure what would have happened to me mm. with my understanding of men and right. and my willingness to do drugs and be crazy. Yeah. Franny is thankful when she remembers her grade school years. She was in an environment where hope was hiding just around the corner. But because of her pain and confusion, she had a hard time catching that hope and holding on to it. She allowed men to continue lying to her about her identity. So your ninth grade, you go to a public high school. Mm -hmm. I'm still somebody who is somewhat close to the Lord. Like We didn't go to church. That wasn't furthered or anything. Mm -hmm. My faith was not furthered, but I still was believing what I had believed in eighth grade. Okay. I was still carrying that in my heart. Mm -hmm. But, you know, public school's big and mm -hmm. kind of scary. Um, when I went to high school in the 10th grade is when I really started to venture off into guys and drugs and things like that. And I knew the Lord was still talking to me. But I decided I would put that aside to experience mm -hmm. some fun that I wanted to have. Mm -hmm. And um, but it never stopped. It never stopped being the truth of my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you're in the 10th grade. Yes. And I have an experience with a boy. I'm 15. He's 20. Oh, gosh. Not aware that that's really not OK. Yeah my first experience in that on that level and I was really really headed for trouble I wow. did your mom have any idea of what you're what you were involved with no I I I told her he was 17 and you know he had a house oh, gosh. and all these things and so I was really playing with fire and then I met another guy and had an experience with him. And so these, these, my, my life was progressing in a way that wasn't healthy. Mm -hmm. But then one day she met a man who would change her life forever. And then when I was 15, I met this young guy who was as troubled as I was. Mm -hmm. And he gave me a note. And he said, my mom's in a mental hospital. I'm so embarrassed. She's tried to kill herself. And I thought... Oh, what's the big deal? My dad killed himself. Mm. I didn't even understand the weight of that. Mm -hmm. It just was a part of my life. Mm -hmm. And um, so we became real close friends, very deep friends. And we kind of parented each other. And that relationship turned into a 36-year relationship. Mm. Is this the boy that would stare at you with his head on his desk? Yes. <laughs> yes. And we had so many great young times together just so what was that like what what were some great young times oh he the one of the things we talk on the phone all night long he would tell me you're such a colorful person mm. and he was so troubled and I was such a stable force for him mm -hmm. they used to call him my shadow because we were together 24 7 we had a hard time separating at night and he would come to my house and sleep in the front yard in his car. And my parents moved a couple hours away, and we could not do that. That just was not going to happen for mm -hmm. him, he and I. And uh, he ran away to live with me and brought his surfboard, and we were blood brother and sister. And 
you know, we just were inseparable for so, so many years. Mm -hmm. And in that relationship, I started coming back to the Lord myself. Mm -hmm. um, and I shared Christ with him. And he became a Christian. And in that, we grew very, very close and decided that our life was going to be about that. And it was significant. It changed him as much as it changed me. He grew very fast. And all the violence and the anger and the drugs and the alcohol that we had been a part of started to diminish. And he sought the Lord deeply and I didn't almost didn't like it I was like well we don't need to go that far mm. so as that relationship progressed we went on we got married at 18 and 19 and then went on to a bible college that was for missionaries and we were there a few years and that was a hard but wonderful experience it mm -hmm. really taught us the foundations of scripture mm. and the depth and the truth mm -hmm. of scripture Franny's shadow got set on fire for Jesus. As they grew up together, he became the leader she needed. And then they got married. And that's when the real adventure started. And we came back and started ministries and kids. He was a youth pastor for nine years at our first church. Kids got saved. Kids, um, a lot, some of our kids you know, were shot, ran over. We, we, we did incredible ministry with really rough groups wow. of people in these apartments that nobody was watching these kids. Every kid wow. was named Ozzy or, you know, and they'd come out and he drove a bus and I drove a van and we'd spend four hours every single Sunday picking kids up and taking them home. We wow. did everything for these kids. And, um, it was very significant. It was a very powerful ministry. Mm -hmm. Franny, like her mother, was finding her source of truth. It was Jesus Christ. But much more was in her future. Franny's story continues on the next episode of Kavah the Podcast. Thanks again for listening to Kavah the Podcast. It's our joy to share these stories of hope in a confusing world. To keep up with our guests and adventures and podcasting, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We would also love it if you gave us a review on whatever podcasting platform you use. It helps us continue to share hope around the world. We are so grateful for our listeners who financially support Kavah the Podcast. If you would like to become a supporter, please consider donating via Patreon or contacting us about sponsorship opportunities. You can find more information at kavahpodcast.com. That's Q-A-V-A-H podcast.com. I would like to thank my head writer, Rebecca Gray, and audio engineer, Meredith Douglas. I could not do this without you. You make this happen, and I can't express my gratitude. Maybe you've been listening because you found yourself in a desperate place. We want you to know that all is not lost. It is our desire that you would be able to borrow hope from those who've gone before you, those who've waited to find a positive outcome. Please be sure and connect with us via our website or social media. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. <laughs>